huge weekend for fans of uh, the old pomp and ceremony. Huge. And choral music, fans of choral music as well. I count myself among that number. It was disappointing, though, that it all kind of went to plan, you know? I don't know about you, but there was a little part of me that was kind of hoping that something would go terribly wrong and on live television and they were going to have to cover and Hugh Edwards would have to settle it down and, you know, ugh. There were a few horses, though. I don't know if you caught those ones. Like those massive horses, those yeah. those extremely large ones that were walking sideways. Yeah, yeah. Uh, at some point. Yeah. And- I mean, and to be fair to them, they at one point there were people playing drums while sitting on the horse. So, I mean, if I would... I too would walk sideways if someone was on my back playing drums. The horses were the most unpredictable element. At one stage, I was like, how do they stop the horses from pooing? Like, are they are they wearing nappies? And then it became clear they were not stopping the horses from pooing. <laughs> and then it was fun watching the people on foot avoid the poo <laughs> as they went uh, along the mall and all that jazz. Anyway, of course, we are going to talk coronation uh, again, but the good news is it's over and royal fatigue is real. So we're only going to discuss it for a little bit longer, I promise. Yes, indeed. But uh, let's get to the show. Kia ora. This is Newsable. I'm Emil. And I'm Imogen. And this is what's worth talking about. Why is New Zealand's public transport so unbelievably bad? It's affecting all our major centres. So we'll do a deep dive on the reasons and what it might take to fix it. And of course, the biggest story now that the Royals are out of the way, Taylor Swift's love life. Making headlines again. Can the gal not just get a moment of peace? Apparently not, but we will explain why this latest brouhaha is all born out of well-intentioned concern for Tay-Tay. I'll have you know she is part of the royal family because she is, of course, a queen. But we've got all of that coming up in a moment here on Newsable. Newsable takes time and resources to produce. Please support our mahi and visit stuff.co.nz support. In an ideal world... You might be listening to this episode of the podcast on a bus, or a train, or even a ferry. But this is not an ideal world, especially if you are a public transport commuter in New Zealand in 2023. Because our public transport in New Zealand in 2023 is pretty shit. Buses in Wellington are often too full to take anyone, or just don't show up. Trains in Auckland seem to be cancelled all the time. Uh, Even Christchurch is having issues. So here's a question... Why? John Reeves is with the Public Transport Users Association and is here to tell us why. Hi, John. Good morning. I'll be blunt. Why is our public transport so shit? Well, yeah, in a nutshell, I mean, you termed it correctly. <laughs> um, basically, it's, a lot of it's got to do with a systemic failure, really, with many years of neglect. Um, if you take the number of bus drivers that we don't have, well, that's an immigration issue. Went back actually around COVID, even before COVID, when groups like ours were um, letting the Minister of Migration know that we needed more bus drivers coming in, and also that the pay that they're offering bus drivers wasn't enough, so people left because New Zealand's been in a pretty good economic climate. So people who are bus drivers said, hey, the pay's not very good, the hours are unsociable, there's split shifts, we're out of here, and they found other jobs. Then you've got the uh, the railway system. <laughs> now, as if you're in Wellington or Auckland, you will know not everything is pretty for <laughs> commuter trains. And that's also the systemic failure. Um, we've had decades of underinvestment in railways. We've um, had very strong political parties who are pro-roading and trucks, uh, who are backed by organisations who are pro-roading and trucks. And uh, railways basically got left behind. So the network has been collapsing for at least 30, but probably 40 years. And then on ferries, well, the ferries have been interesting. There's been a real pickup in use in ferries over the last 15 years. 
However, again, we've had a lack of investment in ferry, especially in Auckland, uh, where you've had a monopoly or near monopoly or duopoly running the ferries. And on certain routes, it is a monopoly. And they look, at the end of the day, when you own a monopoly, you don't really have to do much because you've got guaranteed passengers. So there's a, there's a whole range of issues uh, really colliding all at once. Whenever you have the words public transport, underinvestment seems to always follow. So is this just a matter of if we started chucking more cash at it, things would get better or is it a little bit more, there's a little bit more to it? That's a really good question because it's a bit of that, yes. Also, the whole system is really incorrect in our country. Basically, public transport has fallen to bits because it's being operated by companies who just are there for profit. They're not actually there for really the service they're providing, it's just profit. That's what drives them. And you've got to ask yourself, why would big Australian and American companies want to be owning public transport services in New Zealand? It's not because they care about us Kiwis and that they're worried that we can't get to work, but it's the fact that they're making money out of it. So we've got to change that philosophy and bring it back to public transport run by public service as it was up until the 1980s. Whose job is it to sort all of this out? It, it, something needs to be done, right? So is it going to be government or is it going to be council? Well, ultimately, it is actually central government. Councils can do and say all they want, and uh, they do have some input, but it's central government that makes the rules. It was central government that dictated all councils had to sell off their bus fleets in the early 90s. Um, and now there's there's been a framework change, and it is a good good basis because they're now allowing again for councils to own the bus fleets. Of course, none have because no councils have spare money and they would have to draw upon ratepayers. But it's good because it allows um, for the bus fleets to, again, go away from Australian and American-owned corporations and private equity companies and bring it back to local control and ownership. Cut out the middleman. It will save ratepayers and taxpayers a lot of money. So this is really fundamental that it's a government initiative here. And uh, what I would like to see is, um, look, hey, the budget's coming out shortly. I'd like to see the government announce a, a large pool of funding to enable councils to purchase back the bus fleets at the end of the uh, contracts they're currently in. John Reeves, thank you so much for your time. That's my pleasure. So I think this is actually like a really interesting topic. I mean, you've lived in London, I've lived in Paris, mm -hmm. and I do actually think that if you are a serious city or a serious country, you need to have a comprehensive, affordable, scale public transport system. And that's just efficient. it. Yeah. Efficient as well. And and like I know that those metro systems in London and Paris have been there for decades, but like Singapore's metro line has only been there for like 30 years. I think it was finished in the 1980s and it cost a lot of money. And I guess that's the thing, right, is the amount of money that costs is really politically difficult to sell. Yeah, but also, if you put money into it and if you invest into it, it makes it a public transport system that works, which in turn means people use it. Yeah, yeah. And people then see the value in it. I could honestly not tell you the last time I caught a bus. Right. I don't I don't want to. Because you live in Wellington, yeah, and the buses in Wellington are not reliable. No, he says from the, painful experience. Yeah. <laughs> what's the point? Yeah, yeah. What is the point? I guess that's the thing. You've, you've got to invest in it so that people will use it and um, if people aren't using it and you don't invest in it, then it just kind of dies a death and that kind of stagnation and inertia, we're, we're kind of close to that point now in a way, aren't we? Also, the Swiss make really yummy chocolate and have great public transport. We make really yummy chocolate. Where's our public transport? That is what I call infallible logic. 
Well, thank f- that song. <laughs> Part of me is a bit sad because yeah. there was all this build up and it was pretty fantastic visually. It was fun. I had a great but time. But I'm also looking forward to just not thinking about the Royals for maybe 70, 70 years. Last week on the podcast was kind of funny because we did talk about this, right? And we were like, we don't want to talk about the Royals that much because we don't really care about it that much. And then we ended up talking about it every day. Every day. We couldn't really avoid it, it felt. So us, probably like you as well, we're, we're feeling a bit royally fatigued. If you're exhausted by them and you're over it, we're here for you. And uh, stuff... Culture reporter Johnny Munheep is also here for you. He's been looking into why we actually are all so tired of the Royals, and he's here to analyse this. Hello, Johnny. Hello. Thank you both for for seeking treatment for your bad case of royal fatigue. (laughs) You've come to the right place. Yeah. We're both lying down on couches at the moment. Are are you exhausted by the Royals, Johnny? We should probably establish that. I feel a little bit impolite to do this the day after the coronation. It's kind of the Republican equivalent of being at a wedding and asking how long you're going to give it. You know, I feel (laughs) that I'm already... Already over it. Um, but I think it's just that we're, it's, it's the end of the saga. Like, mm. it's been a busy couple of years. We've gone from Megxit to Spear to Netflix series to, to the death of the Queen and into the coronation. And I just think that with any piece of pop culture, that final instalment is traditionally where the wheels come off a little bit. You know, it's overstuffed. You've got too many villains, too many plot lines to wrap up. And I think that the Royal Overdrive has done no good for for their own narrative. So the coronation was kind of like Avengers Endgame for you? In many ways, yes. Um, you know, particularly with the costumes were <laughs> kind of no different. Yeah, the sword. Yeah, yeah, Infinity Stones, um, yeah. all yeah. the rest of it. I mean, we were looking at Royal Fatigue because we, we were all diagnosed with it at mm. the office and we were wondering why that was. Mm. Um, and there's not been such a kind of onslaught of Royal Events for... I think centuries, mm. um, and traditionally that sort of onslaught ends with an uprising. And I think we're all overdue. Oh my Not sorry, wow. the revolution is coming. The we've gone, we've gone French Revolution here. <laughs> May it be swift and brutal. <laughs> so we've been diagnosed with royal fatigue. How does one treat? Aside from yep, grabbing a pitchfork, which again we're not advocating <laughs> on this podcast, please. You are able to log off and switch off your screen. It's hard when it's an event like the coronation, but again, this is f- the finale. I think they're going to go back to the writers' room um, and withdraw for a year or so before they give us, you know, a reboot or, a, or another sequel. Mm-hmm. I think we're all due a break, and so too other royals. And with the Hollywood strike, of course, that, that uh, mm. we might not see that series for a while. Exactly, we're on hiatus. So. Long live the king. Johnny Munheap, thank you. Delightful as always. Thanks, guys. Hey, Chris. Yes. Do you want another very broad question? I've got a very broad question today. Go on, then. What do you know about sports? Up the wires, go the Black Caps, and don't forget Premier League football. Oh, you do love a bit of Premier League footage, do. don't you? What team is it that you support again? Oh, the current champions, Manchester City. I think they're pronounced Arsenal. It's pronounced Arsenal. Uh, but you know what's good about football? It what? They don't regulate sock height. I'm sorry, there's a sport that regulates sock height? Indeed there is, and it's cycling. That's very strange. Why on earth do they regulate it? Well, I know, but if you want to find out, you'll have to listen to the Big Stuff Quiz, wherever you get your podcasts. (laughs) Oh, that's a cliffhanger indeed. The Big Stuff Quiz is brought to you by Melbourne Every Bit Different. Right. Well, Emo, as always, it was a weekend full of tension and anticipation in the Donovan mm. household. Um, mm. 
not because of King Charles, of course, but uh, because I was thinking about Fun Fact Friday. I'm 5-3 ah, yes. down at this point in time. You are destroying me. You are yeah. establishing uh, a, a healthy lead at the top. And so I brought out my A game this week. I didn't go for the low blow of space facts. Instead, I went for a, a royal fact. Yeah. It was the battle of the gingerbread and the butterflies. Yes. The gingerbread one being that Queen Elizabeth I invented the gingerbread man. And butterflies being that when butterflies migrate from uh, Canada to Mexico, they still remember a mountain that has not existed for thousands of years and uh, actively fly around it as if it still exists. Yes, a solid fun fact. It's a solid week of fun facts, actually. Those are both excellent. Uh, options, I think. Well done, us. It's time to know who won. Producer Jono's on the line. The winner of Fun Fact Friday this week is no one. <gasps> no. Oh. <laughs> Are you joking? Wow. Are you taking the piss? Have you rounded up or rounded down? I don't believe you. We have our first time. Wow. <laughs> 50 50. Oh, what oh do we gosh. do? Do we have a process for this? I don't know. So, do paper, scissors, rock. So, reverting to the archaic rules of Fun Fact Friday, which I have just made up, this means that next week's Fun Fact counts for two points. Oh, <gasps> wow, really? Oh, the stakes are high. Oh, my God. Oh, my gosh. Anyway, we will uh, go away and work very hard to prepare our facts for a very high stakes Fun Fact Friday this week. Okay, so we said it was a huge, huge weekend for fans of pomp and ceremony. <laughs> is that how we're getting into this, is it? It's been a huge few days for Taylor Swift fans, I'll nice. tell you that much. <laughs> like in that. fact, getting me to turn up to work mm. has been a task in itself by yourselves and producer Jono, because I just can't get off the Daily Mail or TikTok. So set the scene for me as one who is, um, you know, tangentially connected to Taylor Swift's life, but not really that interested in it what what's happened so late last week Mm -hmm. the sun a tabloid newspaper i sure i get it but on their front page exclusive taylor swift dating 1975 frontman matt healy okay in the background to this is she recently broke up with joe ashcroft is that his name alwyn alwyn joe alwyn that's right Around February or March, uh-huh. we're told, yep. or it's been reported, but it's there was officially confirmed uh, early April. I okay. hate and love how much I know about this. Yep. Okay. So yeah, late last week, news came out, big exclusive, she's dating Matt Healy, uh-huh. sent Swifties into a spin, right? Because we love Taylor, we want the best for Taylor, her mm. and Joe's relationship, six years long, stable, mm. lovely. Yeah. We got some great music out of it. It seemed like we were we were all in it for the rest of our lives. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Listen to that. <laughs> Listen to the parasocial relationship. This is worrying. <laughs> but anyway, continue. <laughs> Matt Healy, he's kind of a, he's, he's a, got a bad boy persona, right? He's well, he's in a band. Yeah, okay, fair. But he's he's he went viral on TikTok earlier this year. It's like people just discovered the 1975. Um, there were just all these videos of him and his onstage antics. Like he's like drinking whole bottles of wine on stage. He's smoking. He's like provocatively dancing. He's being really pretentious. He's kissing fans. It's I don't know. It's just all. It gives me the ick. Like right. it gave me, gave me the ick when the videos went viral earlier this year. He doesn't seem like a nice guy. He seems shady. So you and the other Swifties are sort of like mum in the corner shaking the head at the Anxious. at the boy that, that your daughter's brought home. I don't know about him. He he seems like bad news to me, Taylor. 
were anxious. Yeah. Of course, it's not been confirmed. Neither his nor her reps have confirmed it. But okay. La- last week, mm-hmm. or a few days ago, he was performing in the Philippines. And on stage, he stares down the barrel of a camera. You can't hear him, mm-hmm. but he, he mouths the words, this, this is about you. You know who you are. I love you. Oh. Yeah. And then at Taylor's gig a few days later, which he was at, he flew from Manila to Nashville to be at this gig, mm-hmm. 17 hours on a plane. Oh, my God, am I? At that gig in Nashville, <laughs> she did the same thing. She uh-huh. mouthed on stage, this is about you. You know who you are. I love you. Confirmation. And he was, he was in the stadium and he's been spotted uh, arriving and leaving her condo that she's staying at in Nashville. He then did go and perform with Phoebe Bridges, who's opening for Taylor Swift. So maybe that's why he's there, sure. But according to The Sun, their source says that uh, while she's in Nashville, so we've got one more concert to go, he's going to walk on stage, play a couple of songs with her, and the relationship's going to be confirmed. Okay, all right. It stresses me out. Well, this is a story, I think, that might well pop up in Newsable throughout the rest of the year. Of the year. Um, Y'all better know. Despite my protestations. Taylor Swift is worth talking about. (laughs) (laughs) Is that not our slogan? No, yeah, that's shit. Yeah. (laughs) I promise. I'll I'll finish. Maybe, yes, this might make it into the show uh, sometime later in the week when we have more clarity on it. But for now, we will leave you on that cliffhanger. Uh, And that is Newsable for today. I'm Emile Donovan. And I'm Imogen Wells. If you enjoyed this episode, I promise we don't talk about Taylor every episode, but please follow us on your favourite podcast player and leave us a rating and review. It helps other listeners discover the show and we really appreciate it. You can also follow us on social media, which has not yet become entirely dedicated to standing Taylor Swift. You can find us on Insta and TikTok. I'll just search up Newsable NZ. If you know Taylor Swift, let her know there's a podcast that would love to speak with her. <laughs> love. It actually, yeah, that would be quite fun. Actually, I don't know it? if I'd speak. I would yeah. be silent. So yeah. actually, it's probably a terrible interview. <laughs> Newsable. News that's worth talking about. If you liked it and reckon it's also worth supporting, please make a contribution at stuff.co.nz support. If you don't have time to read the in-depth stories or you just prefer to listen instead, The Long Read From Stuff is the podcast for you. Each week we showcase one of our excellent pieces of journalism, telling important or entertaining stories from the world of crime, sport, history, culture and more. You also get to hear from the journalists themselves about how they uncovered the story and how it came to life. So, for your weekly dose of long-form journalism, beautifully read, subscribe to The Long Read From Stuff wherever you get your podcasts.